Welcome back to another episode of On Air with Rebecca. I recently had the opportunity to sit with former New Age leader Alan Strudwick, and there was such an overflow of eye-opening information that it could not be contained in one episode. So let's jump right back into the conversation. So many people are being taught to just follow how they feel. And it's being manifested from leaving their spouse, changing their sex, changing their sexuality. And when you ask people, well, why are you doing this? They're like, well, because I feel this way. And now the feeling thing has become so powerful that now they're trying to get all of society to change its construct around it based off how people feel. Exactly. It's part of the plan. I was involved in secret meetings, and especially the One World Order and the One World Religion. Um, as I said, I was in those meetings where it was discussed how we're going to do this over the next two or three centuries, sorry, two or three decades. How will we create it to happen? It was being implemented then. And, um, and so I was not only was I in the meetings, but there was very strong strategies implemented and discussed in that meeting of how we could create the one world order thinking we were doing the right thing. And how can we create a one-world religion? Now, basically, the one-world religion is what we're seeing now. It's the woke Christians. It's the ones that are moving away from the absolutes of who Jesus is, that there's no hell, no devil, no this, no that. That's the religion we wanted to create. And there's been strategies for 30 years put into place for that. The one-world order, that was put into place again, early 90s. Just before, you know, it was, That was the timing of where it was. And there were strategies to do with that as well, strategies to do with with um, how do we manipulate with narrative? We were all taught uh, a, a thing called linguistic programming of how to communicate in seminars, how to be places where we embed and manipulate people, almost like not hypnotized, but it's almost like that. And we were taught that. It was interesting, in my research recently, I only just found out they did that in, in Nazi Germany. I didn't even know they were trained with the same technique that we were trained in the, in the late 80s, early 90s. And I was like, wow. And, and I've seen it work and I've seen it manipulated. Even that's what's happening even now. But these were plans. I was in those meetings. There were plans for this. And now we're seeing the outworking of it. Oh, man. And you just tapped on the last thing. It's called Silva Mind Dynamics and also NLP. I've heard of that before. What is that? And how can we, how can we identify that in case it's being used? In media or whatever. <laughs> well, first of all, I believe, first of all, if you're, if you're following the Holy Spirit and you're discerning him and you follow him and you love Jesus, you, you won't be deceived. You'll, the, you, the Holy Spirit will discern it straight away. And you just need to learn how to act on that and follow on that. I know that. I, I have never had fear. And people go, why not? And I said, because I lived under fear with an enemy and I know his cases. I don't have fear. I go straight to the Bible. I get, people think I'm crazy, but I go straight to the Word of God, straight to here. Uh, I'm not crazy. I just work for the enemy and I work for him and he's a better God. So um, so back neuro-linguistic programming is what I'm talking about. It's a, and I was trained under the master of it, John Grinder. And it's very manipulative. A lot of people use it for sales and other things and they all think it's okay. It's not okay. It's very manipulative. It can it can steer a whole room a certain way. And if it's if it's done long enough, and that's what's happening now, if they say a phrase or do a thing long enough, long enough, over and over, and you watch the, the media today and what it says, and it goes over and over and over, eventually that programming is part, it's on the media. I know it. I was taught it. I know what the programs are and why they're doing it. And then they do it with actors as well. That is why, so that eventually people are doing things that you think, why are you doing that? You've got common sense. Why would you do that? But they've been programmed into it. 
And then the Silver Mind Control is more a personal development seminar, and there's many of them around now. Uh, I even ran a lot of different ones where our whole aim was to get the public in, nothing spiritual, get the public in, train them things that were actually spiritual without them knowing, and then we would strip them down and then build them back up again with new beliefs. Oh, my it goodness. It wasn't good. So if you're hearing this, people, there is, there is a strategy your enemy stalks around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. And so we have to, like it says, be sober and vigilant. And like you said, the word of God, the Holy Spirit, Spirit of truth, the word of God. And we have to know his word. And I think probably in my generation and under, the worst thing that I've seen is the attack on the word of God and just the ignorance around it. And these, I mean, I've seen Christians just, completely. Like you said, the woke, that is becoming more and more and more popular in churches. And the Bible talks about this. Right. And, and just on that, though, there are, a lot of, there are a lot of false prophets, a lot at the moment. I'm not saying all prophets are false, but there are false prophets because they, they just, they start to wean away from that absolute truth of resurrection and hell. And that there is, I mean, when I became a Christian, just quickly, the fact that Jesus, Jesus, uh, it was like, how how will I put this? There's nothing else. How could I ever doubt it? It was, a, it was such an absolute thing that he did that got me saved. But also the fact that he talked about the enemy. He talked about the enemy more than I had pastors talking about the enemy, like warning me and, and watch out for this and discern this. And I'm like, well, if Jesus talks about it and he's my Lord, then I can warn as well. Oh, that is such a good point. And we need to listen to what... He said in his word and what he's saying to us today, and it's because God sees us, we're his flock, and he doesn't want anyone to be led astray and be devoured by the enemy because he cares so deeply for us. But I'm really glad that you said that about, that is a huge issue, especially in American church, is this censored, weird gospel that isn't the whole gospel. And the gospel isn't complicated, and you don't need to censor any of it but it's becoming more and more popular. And you know, sometimes I wonder if it's because pastors almost wanna preach what people want to hear instead of what they need to hear, but the result is just terrible. Not real followers of Jesus who aren't equipped. No, and that's true of why they want it. However, it was also part of the plan as well was that was to wean, Christ, wean Christians away from the absolute. So what's a good way of weaning? is to actually, um, how will I say it, teach pastors that are already a little woke on how to continue that wokeness, how to continue to wean down away from that. And you know what's interesting is you see, you can see that there's definitely some kind of programming, influencing, manipulating going on because you see it's like even in believers come at this kind of this mob mentality when they take things this way, all these people follow. When the media says something, we all fall. It's just crazy. There's definitely manipulation there. And I mean, even pastors are giving into it and following it. And it's like, we're not of this world. We don't have to follow what everyone else is doing. We're, we're in it, but we're not of it. Exactly. You know, there should be a exactly. distinction. And, and one of the things you'll notice with a false prophet is they'll talk about a higher revelation that they've got a higher revelation now than the Bible, a high, more wisdom than the Bible. They're the key things to watch for. Yes, and why, okay, sorry, this is such a good topic. Why is it that 
people, why do, why do pastors and teachers and pro, all these different people who claim they're believers, how do they think that they can change the Bible? I mean, that's a massive red flag. Well, it's like, yeah, I know it says this, but we should, that shouldn't be in the Bible anymore. And they're trying to make new versions of the Bible that are more inclusive. I mean, that is a huge red flag. Huge red flag and very dangerous. So let's get you saved. <laughs> okay, so... You know, you said you're in LA, you've been practiced, you're trained, you have a mission, you've been in meetings, you have been set up to go, and you are doing your, you know, you're living out of, your heart is to help people, and you're doing everything you can, but you start to see people not ending up so well, and this maybe was one of your first red flags that, hey, something seems off, so tell us about that. Yeah, I started to see things with the spiritual retreats, especially that we were doing in some of the courses where people were um, ending up in psychotic episodes, ending up in psych wards. People were committing suicide. People would just leave their family and their kids for no reason at all, but all under the guise of what I had taught them. And I'm like, this is not what I was doing. So it, it kind of started to hurt my heart. So I went and had a meeting with a guru, which was risky because you don't do that because they'll think that you're, you're not evolving as fast. Excuse me. So I, I went and saw my guru, and what he said is that the energy that I was carrying, because I'd been here so many lifetimes and I was so evolved, that the energy I'm carrying, they can't receive it, and so these things would happen to them. Now, on one level I understood it, but on another level I didn't like it, um, especially in my heart. So I, I actually cried out, not to a personal God, but I kind of cried out to, you know, I need help if there is a God or there is a little more personal or something. I was just crying out for that. And in crying out for that and seeing after seeing all these things that happened, um, I was actually running a course, a spiritual course, and I had an open vision. And, it, and I'm pointing that way because that's where it was. It was just very quickly. It was an open vision. And I, and I knew that on the right-hand side was God. I just knew this figure. It was, it was not a strong figure, but it was like a strong light, blinding light. But on the right-hand side of that figure that I knew was God was Jesus, and he was a figure. I knew him. I saw him. And I knew he was the real Jesus, which is weird because I didn't believe in a real Jesus. But I just knew it. My spirit obviously just knew it. And I'd been crying out for him. And then he, he started telling me things that are going to happen in my life and then things I'm going to do in the future. And then he asked me to put my hands out, and light shone from his hands straight into mine. And he said, you used to heal for the, for the enemy. And again, I didn't know what the enemy was. But now you're going to heal for me, and then you're going to do this and you're going to do that, and it's going to be by my power that people are healed, not by my Hindu gods. And, I, like, I'm getting goosebumps now just saying it. I, I will never forget that, that vision of him appearing to me. The real Jesus appeared to someone who didn't believe in him and who was against him. It's crazy. That's how much love he has for me. So, so he's, he's talking to me and doing all that, then the vision finished. And so for three days, I'm like disoriented. What am I supposed to do with this? So I thought at that time, remember, I'm full new age teacher and leader worldwide. And I end up thinking, well, maybe I need to go to a church so that I can, remember, they've been here one lifetime. I can evolve them. I can help them learn about spiritual things, you know. So I go to this church, ends up, it was a Pentecostal, didn't know anything about it. I got there late, so I'm in the second row. And I'm waiting for the universe, okay, to shift in energy so that I get asked up front and I'll start to teach them the truth. Okay, that's what I'm thinking. That didn't happen. What happened was that the pastor kept talking about Jesus as a Lord 
And he kept quoting the scriptures of 11, 28, 29, 30, Matthew, in Matthew, about, you know, the yoke is easy, the burden is light, come to me and I'll give you rest if you're burdened, if you're this. And I'm like, and come and learn from me. And I'm like, wow, I have all those Hindu lords in here, but they're not easy. They're, and the yoking is a Hindu term. It's it's not easy. It's hard. It's it's painful. And this Lord's saying that he's easy, so I'm going to try him out. So when the pastor said, if you'd like to receive him in your heart, come on out. Now, I wasn't going out to become a Christian. I knew how to invite lords into me. So I walked out, said the prayer, invited this Jesus into my heart. And so I decided I would test him for 12 months. So I I hadn't become a Christian. People were saying, oh, you're a Christian now because you said that prayer. And I said, no, I'm not. I'm not a Christian at all. I would never do that. I'm I'm 300,000 lifetimes. You're only one lifetime. So I thought, but I'll check him out. So I got a Bible and for 12 months, Anything that I had needed, a miracle in healing, finances, grief, whatever it might be, emotional, anytime I needed something, I would find in the Word what Jesus said about it and I would do it and I'd have a miracle happen and then another miracle and then another miracle and spiritual things that I had never experienced before in my life. Like I had joy hit me in an ashram because I wasn't going to chant the Hindu Lords. I started chanting the name Jesus and, um, and I started getting joy hitting me. I didn't know until years later it was the Holy Spirit hitting me. I got thrown out of the ashram because I had too much joy. It was quite weird. but So that's I did get saved and then I went and got delivered, got all those Hindu lords out and I stayed with Jesus because he was better than all the rest. That's what I love. One of the things I love about your story and what you just said is because, first of all, that is so cool that you got that Jesus appeared to you and God the Father like shrouded in his the glory. I mean, ugh. you know, and Jesus says he's at the right hand of the Father. So I'm thinking that is the coolest thing you could ever see. And I'm like, I, would, I wish that could happen to me. Maybe so, Lord. But um, what I love is that you had spent your life in all of these. You had yoked yourself to all of these lords. You'd experienced all these spiritual things. And yet nothing compared. The moment you saw Jesus, you're like, I'm, I'm getting this Lord. You know what I mean? Exactly. And it's the perfect description of light and dark, good and evil. What I love about your testimony is that you just put it to the test. You had nothing blocking you. You're just like, I'm going to give, I'm just going to ask God. And I almost feel like because of the purity of your heart and God wanting to reach you, God was like, oh yeah, I'm going to show you. And one of the coolest stories is that you read something, you're a scripture, I think, about healing. So speak about what happened in that situation. Yeah, one of the things that um, I grew up with was a short leg, like a physical short leg. And so I'd often throw my back out and and painfully, like I'd be in bed for days. Well, that happened in that 12-month period. And I'm like, oh, I'm not going to chant. I'm not going to go and raise this, you know, kundalini spirit or anything like that. I've got to stay focused on Jesus. So what did he say to do? And it said, lay hands on the sick. I put my hand on my back. And um, I don't know if you've been to a chiropractor or not, but a chiropractor, when they adjust you, everything cracks. I laid my hand on it and I just said, in the name of Jesus, because that's what he said to do. I put my hand there and my whole back cracked. It completely cracked, like loud noise, everything. And I was like, I had no idea who did that, what happened. But from that day to now, I've never had the problem. Never thrown my back out. It's completely healed. That is such a good story. And see, you just had like this childlike faith because you're like, well, if it says it, then it's true. And I just want to encourage you, we got to return to that place. Like God's word is true. Don't allow what other people have said or maybe even your own life experiences and disappointments keep you from that truth that what he says is true and God's a good father that wants to bless, heal, 
and deliver his children. Yep. I'm a perfect testimony of that. Perfect. I worked for the enemy and then I found that working for God was better. I, I, don't, I don't have options. I don't have choices. That's it. Even today, after all this time, I still go straight to the Bible for an answer. And I find it. And it is an innocent faith. But I can tell you the other the other camp is not a good camp to seek. Mm-mm. Okay, so you realize you have this encounter with the Lord. You test him for 12 months. When did you officially get saved and filled with the Spirit? And also talk about meeting with your guru and telling him about your wonderful discovery of the Lord Jesus. Well, first of all, I felt like when I said the prayer, I was actually, God honored that at that time when I was in the church. Yeah, I felt yeah, I felt God honored that in my spirit because that was the first time I'd ever felt something in my spirit, not in my soul, but in my spirit. And I felt like it's something had turned around upside down. And then from then on, that power, every time I sought Jesus instead, was much more powerful than the power of the, of the other lords, Hindu lords. But I, after 12 months, I'm excited. I'm in a belief system in the New Age that many paths lead to God. You study and learn everything you can. That's a smorgasbord. So I go to the guru and I tell him, I start to, I'm going to tell him about Jesus. And um, as soon as I started to tell him about Jesus, he started getting angry. And I thought, oh, that, why is he getting angry? And I said, no, I'm like, no, this guy was better. I tested him. And, and this is what happened. This is what happened. And then his face, it was almost like Christmas to Halloween. His face turned very demonic, like very evil looking, scary evil, like you see in some of the movies and stuff like that. And then as soon as he, and he continued to scream and yell and then threw me out uh, of his office, got people to, to take me out of the building to escort me out, es- excommunicated me, sent it back then, faxes all around the world, communication, throwing me out of every organization and also told to stay away from me. That that they have to stay away from him, as I will affect their lives and everything You're blacklisted. else. Blacklisted. So, yeah. So then, probably about um, three or four months later, I passed. I went into a church thinking, "What do I do?" And not many people could talk to me because I'm not. I'm not changed. I'm born again, but my mouth, my, you know, I, I would point down the front, and go, "Oh, there's an angel there," or "Oh, look at this," and "Oh, you see how that's happening?" And people would look at me going, "How do?" And I'd use new age terms. So, you know, I freaked out a few people. But eventually this visiting pastor came and spoke, pulled me up, spoke a word over me, which was, I didn't know what he was doing, but it was a word of prophecy, read my mouth, and then asked if he could mentor me, and he did for three years. So I learned about the Bible. I learned about the Holy Spirit. I learned about him. I learned about Jesus. I went to Bible college. I, I needed to learn because I didn't want to ever be deceived again. That's the last thing I wanted. Plus, I wanted to know what did the real spirit feel like versus the deception. Because the enemy tries to keep them close. So um, so that's what I did. That's what I love about your testimony. Because when you went up to receive the Lord Jesus, you didn't have the intention of becoming a Christian. And yet God honored you. And in that moment in your spirit, you were saved. But what came later was the transformation of your soul, which is a process. And there's discipleship involved. And that's, I think, one of my professors in school, he says, you know, the spirit instantly knows. Your spirit is instantly saved. But the mind, the heart, this takes time. And so I love that you, like, speak on that because God will honor you right where you are at, but he will also take you through a process. So I love that you talk about mentorship. You talk about going to Bible school. I went to Bible school and I loved it. Um, But tell us about the deliverance process because deliverance is another thing that isn't talked a lot about in church? Not anymore, no, unfortunately. Um, but what happened for me was that the well, the pastor that was mentoring me in discipleship said, look, you know, 
we need to tell me about what happened, what were the rituals. So I explained the rituals that, that I did. Um, I approximately had, I don't know, 15, 16, 17, I don't know, every year I got a new one and sometimes it was extra or whatever. So I didn't know. Um, he explained to me a little bit about deliverance. He talked to me. Um, we went through a prayer session. It, it, for me, I think it had to be this way. I, I was delivered I, and he did it one by one, casting, naming and casting out, naming and casting out, getting deliverance. But it wasn't a hard process. I, I know that some people do and they need to, you know, when they have something cast away from it, it's, it's a it's a painful process. For me, it was actually every time one left, I felt more peaceful. And then another one, I felt more, and I feel weight coming off me. So I actually had a very joyful deliverance. And I know I, I don't share that with too many people because they, they get upset. And I'm like, but but that's who my Jesus is. He came to the cross once. I don't need to keep putting him back on the cross all the time. He, he's done it. The work's done. He's given me authority from the enemy, and I have authority. I I'm not going to open that door and let the enemy come in. He can't. He's got no authority. It's, I've got it. And I'm not going to do that. So it was the same in my deliverance. And so from that point on, I never let anything come near me, any thought, any demonic thought, any demonic feeling, nothing, because I knew my authority. And then after that, I then um, uh, got baptized in water because I wanted to then clean everything up. But what happened is without even knowing what it was, when I come up out of the water, I started. I had a holy language. And I had the Holy Spirit language as soon as I came out of the water. Instantaneously. That is so cool. I love it. Tell me about what was it like to get filled with the Spirit and what was it, what's it like having a relationship with the Holy Spirit who has to be so much better than all those other weird spirits you had Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, it's like any description will not do it justice. I love it. I love him. Holy Spirit's my best friend. Um, I, I know he's around me. He's, he's protecting me. He, it's often the first thing that comes out of my mouth is thanking him and praying with him and he because he discerns everything for me. So I trust him. I don't just believe in him, I trust him. You just tapped on something really important. There's a difference between, you know, we're filled with the Spirit and then we're led by the Spirit. And that's like a daily thing. And we have to be obedient. We need to be instantly obedient. It's not always easy. But then I feel like you kind of develop this relationship with the Holy Spirit, what would you say to people who maybe are struggling with discerning and hearing the voice of God? What is a way you could simply describe having a relationship with the Holy Spirit and hearing His voice? The best description I can give you is one day I was um, preaching and we went back to the pastor's house and all the women were in the kitchen and all the men were in the lounge room or the living room. And um, it was interesting. The women were talking and they all, they all, this is a miracle, they all talk at once and all hear each other and that's fine. And as they were doing that, I couldn't really hear anything except I heard my wife's voice. I recognized my wife's voice and I felt at that time God said, how come you can, how come you, you recognize your wife's voice above all that other, all the other voices? And I went, well, I spend time with her. I love her. I cherish her. I do things for her that maybe I don't want to do, but I do things and all that sort of stuff. And he said, yeah. When you do that for me, then you'll have the same relationship with the Holy Spirit and you'll know it's me talking, not something else. So I did that. I would go out for, see, sometimes I'd go out for coffee with my wife when I was in the middle of work, and, and but I would do that for her because that's how God instructed me to lay my life down for her. So I do that. I'll go to, I'll watch Hallmark movies with her. You know, I might not necessarily like that, but I, I do that till I know, so I know her. So I do it so I know her. I don't do it to get brownie points. I do it to know her and what she loves. 
And so the Holy Spirit said, that's what he wanted from me. So I sometimes go out for coffee with the Holy Spirit. I don't talk to him at the other table next to me or anything like that, but I know I'm with him. I've, I've even done a retreat. I went away for two days with the Holy Spirit at Log Cabin, and I just spent time with him and talking with him and he, trying to hear from him and learning how to do that. But that's how he taught me was I have to have a relationship, not an acquaintance, just the same, and then I'll be able to hear his voice just like I hear my wife's voice. You know what? It's one of those things where there's been times where God is like, come spend time with me. And it might be like a busy day and you're thinking, ah, but it's never, the one of the most important things I read in one of my devotionals is time in, spent with God and in obedience to God is time never wasted. And it's like a spiritual investment that you will see all the way even into eternity. And that's how we have to think about it. You think about this. I spend two hours a day minimum with the enemy doing spiritual rituals and spiritual exercises. So I can at least do two for the, for the Lord Jesus. I was interviewing John Ramirez, who was a former Satanist, and he said that in the Satanic church that he was in, they never, not only were they very devoted, they would never mingle with anything Christian. And you see this devotion and this dedication in like the new age and Satanism, all these people basically worshiping the devil. You know, it's different faces, but it all leads back to the same source, right? And so we as believers, he doesn't deserve anything. God deserves everything, you know? So it's like, that's such a good point. I'm so glad you said that. It's, you know, we should be the most dedicated and the most devoted because he's given everything to us. And um, what I love is, one of the most important things you said is you would do these things with your wife, not to earn brownie points with her, but to know her and to get to know her. And one of the best things ever is learning what is God's heart and what is on his heart. And when you start to, when you stop just asking God for what you need in your life, there's nothing wrong with that. I do that still obviously all the time as things come up, but I've learned just recently, God, what is on your heart? What do you want me to pray for? What is, you know, and God, when he shares that with you, that relationship, that intimacy with him, there is just nothing like it. And I want all believers to get to that place where they can just have that knowing him and doing things for him, not just for us. Very true. While this conversation has been so compelling, we couldn't fit it into two shows. Be sure to check out part three. You can also follow me on Instagram at Rebecca Lamb Weiss. 